Hello and welcome to Flying High with Flutter. I'm Alan Weimar and today I'm going to introduce my very special guest, Tadas Petra. And he is a Flutter developer and also a rather popular YouTube content creator, creating a lot of videos all about Flutter. And so without any further delay, I want to go ahead and pass it over to him to kind of give himself a quick introduction. So go ahead. All right. Nice to see everybody. I'm Tadis. Um, like he said, I make YouTube videos on Flutter. I started making, I made my first one in January 2020, so a little bit over a year ago. Um, and I like to cover topics. I really like to break stuff down into very easy to understand ways. Um, that's kind of what I keep trying to improve because, I mean, there's a lot of complex topics in Flutter. Even though it does make things a lot easier, there's a lot of complex topics. And I think... Uh, my goal is to explain them as like simple as I can. Um, and yeah, so you can find me on YouTube. You can find me on Twitter. I like, I'm pretty active on there too. And that's, that's, about, that's about it. Before YouTube, uh, I was working as Embedded C, so like something completely different than uh, Flutter. Um, and then I kind of started working with Flutter on my own before it even got released to stable. Then um, after a couple years, I decided to release some YouTube videos about it because there wasn't that much content. And, uh, yeah, then one thing led to another and here we are. Are you uh, happy you made the choice? You made the, you made the switch? Yeah, definitely. Um, so I, at my last job, I was getting, things just became very, um, like documentation oriented because it was a, it was making software for trucks. So like everything was very safety critical and, you have to make sure every little word in your requirements was correct and everything. So I like my days ended up being like 60 to 70% just working with word documents. And, uh, that's kind of what my outlet was working with flutter on the side and then creating YouTube videos was another outlet. So it was like, I had my job where I, you know, was a little bit boring. And then I had my creative outlets whenever I was done with it. And yeah, it's been a lot more fun. <laughs> If I understand correctly, I believe you actually quit your job and went full-time on YouTube. Is that right? Yeah. Are you still doing that also? Uh, I quit my job uh, two months ago. So January 2021. One, like exactly, my last day was actually exactly one year since I released my first video on January 15th. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm interviewing for a couple companies right now. So uh, the end goal, I think, isn't going to be full-time YouTube, but um, the role I'm looking for is developer advocate, which is still within like this whole YouTube space. Yeah, yeah, I saw that actually. I was quite surprised because you were like, "I'm going to do this," and then you're looking like, "What? What happened? Did finally did did you kind of like a little bit run out of money?" Or I mean, maybe it's a little bit personal question, but I am just kind of curious because it was quite quick. I yeah. think um, I saw your video. So. The, the reason it was that quick is because I actually didn't know that there was such a thing as developer advocates. Um, I, <laughs> I had no idea that was like an actual like job that companies pay you for. Um, actually, I put in my two weeks at my job. And then three days later, I got reached out to by a company about this developer advocate role. And at that point, I was like trying to Google figure out what the hell a developer advocate is. And then... Um, <laughs> Uh, I, it seemed like someone that teaches the developers on the team about like the specific software. That's what I got out of it. But then I had some interviews with them and it's like, no, you pretty much just like create content and 
some of it has to be based around their technology. Like not even all of it, just like parts of mm. part of your job will be to create content about this technology. And like, it was, it was something that I definitely, um, believed in definitely was interested in and was probably going to create content about it anyways. Um, and it seemed like, I don't know, it just seems, it seemed like a perfect, perfect fit for me. So I decided to, you know, to try to try that section of career out. Yeah. I also seen you, I mean, I seen you create, uh, the video for, uh, invoice ninja, right. That was a pretty good one actually. I'm actually thinking about using that now because I do already use a system for invoicing clients. And so I'm thinking that could actually be something I could use and not to mention I have a client. Uh, of course, we also use Flutter for them. And uh, they were also talking about issuing invoices and other things. And I thought this could be could be quite useful. Yeah. Right. I mean, I, I don't I don't issue too many invoices. I usually use the basic like PayPal invoice stuff. But um it seemed from what I got to learn from it and like work with it a little bit, it seemed to make things really, really simple. And uh, I mean, that's kind of what I feel like Flutter is about, just making, making, creating apps easy. And then Invoice Ninja, they seem to be a pretty great company and they make, uh, they make invoices pretty easy. Have you thought to reach out to them? Because I know the one of the guys, I think he's the CTO, Hillel, is actually quite, of course, quite in the community. I mean, I still like... Have you talked to him yet? When I was making that video, I like talked to him uh, a bunch and... I, I don't. I don't know. I don't. Think, I don't know if they're looking for dev advocate positions, but maybe I should reach out. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it never hurts. Uh, the Flutter community is quite small, but at the same time, it's also quite big too. I think, it, which is quite interesting. It's grown really fast. It's kind of. It's kind of crazy. I feel like if the, if it keeps up at this rate, like, who knows where it's going to be in like two years? Yeah, I agree. So. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I want to actually go back around to your background a little bit more, right? So you're originally from Lithuania, right? I, I believe you were born in Lithuania. You're not a first, you know, your parents didn't arrive. I think you came by yourself, right? What what What's the story? Uh, nah, so I didn't come by myself, but I was born there. Me, my parents, and my sister, we came here when I was six years old. So I've been in, uh, in the Chicagoland area since then. Um, so yeah, I'm... Technically, I'm 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 100% Lithuanian. Okay, but what what brought you to to you to U.S. and specifically Chicago? Because Chicago is, I have to say, one of the places that people don't never really think about. They always think about the East Coast and the West Coast, but never really about what I would call the Mid Coast. I'm not too sure what it is about Lithuanians and Chicago, but it's just it seems like this whole Chicagoland area just has a ton of Lithuanians, and I, I don't know. I might be mistaken, but I think Chicago um, is one of the biggest Lithuanian populations outside of Lithuania. Maybe that was like 10 years ago. I don't know. But um, I've heard that somewhere. And it's just, I don't know what made my parents come here. I think it's just the whole American dream. They got the, they won the lottery for the green card. And they, I think they were, they were planning on just like selling it or something like that. But then ended up deciding to like drop everything they were doing and come for the American dream. And I mean, I think I, I think uh, they when I, whenever I talk to them they don't know if they would do it again, but I mean it ended up pretty okay. So you're actually in the city? Or are you in the suburb? I'm in the suburbs. Which one? I'm in like the Schaumburg area, if you know. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I know where that is. Yeah, uh, yeah Schaumburg is. Yeah, yeah, Schaumburg is a little bit far from me from from where my parents live right now. So 
Uh, I'm more so towards, um, uh, well, I'm actually, well, my parents are actually in Evergreen Park, which is, if you've heard of there before. Not. Have you heard of there or no? I don't think so. No. So they're, they're, they're famous for their mean police. So in our town, we actually have to have a little sticker on the bumper that says EP. And if you don't have it and they don't like you or they're having a bad day, they usually pull those people over who don't have it. And <laughs> um, the other thing, too, is we also have a um, Walmart. And where I live is right on the edge of Chicago. Like I can walk five minutes. I'm in the city limit. Mm -hmm. And they put a Walmart right there. I don't know if you know much about the city of Chicago and Walmart, but Walmart's basically anti-union and Chicago's pretty democratic and pretty pro-union. Mm -hmm. And so to kind of stick it to them, I think they put a purposely put the Walmart right on the border. So people from Chicago can come in and buy stuff and go back to the city. <laughs> I don't even know about that, but that's kind of funny. Yeah, yeah. So... Yeah, it's 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 really it's really like that. I also used to work at Motorola for my internship. I was at Libertyville though, up up north a little bit. But sometimes I have to go down to Schaumburg because that's where the other one is, right? A lot of people from my so previous company say? came from Motorola. And uh yeah. and my boss even worked for Motorola at some point. Yeah, Motorola was a big place over there, right? Also they also have I think Walgreens is also headquartered in Schaumburg or something. I'm not too sure. Schaumburg is kind of like a, it's like, I don't know, the atmosphere is kind of like a little bit of a headquarters for businesses and a lot of other stuff. And also a little bit, uh, almost like a suburb. It is a suburb, but really a suburb feeling. But at the same time, it's also like a capital or something. It's very weird. My last company was in like the Lyle uh, Wheaton area, like closer to Naperville, if you know. Um, so. Oh, I know Naperville. Yeah. 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 So it, <laughs> Everybody it's, knows. Yeah, it's it's closer to my last job was at that area. So I'm I'm not too familiar with Schaumburg. I actually just moved here like a month uh, a month and a half ago. How do you like it compared to, to to where you were before? I haven't really gotten to go out much and like explore. <laughs> so I don't really know, but um it's kinda nice that all there's a bunch of uh like a bunch of big stores that have like everything around the area and there's the big woodfield mall so it, it's mm, nice yeah. i don't mind it not too different yeah i haven't been, i haven't been in a long time i have to check it out is is that area also have the medical dispensaries i'm just curious because i haven't been back in over a year now I've, I've, i know I'm they're starting sure. to have... <laughs> i haven't checked. okay all right and maybe we're talking too much about that but there is something i have to ask very particular right do you put ketchup on your hot dog yeah are you not oh food? man, you know that's a, that's that's a sin, right? Why? You didn't know about that. I, I don't know about that. I don't know what's ketchup on the hot dog. That's that's like, I mean, ketchup and mustard. That's like the two the double combo on for the hot dog. Oh man, you're gonna make some people upset. Is that not? Don't let anybody know about that. That's the opposite <laughs> of a Chicagoan thing. Supposedly, people will get knifed over that. <laughs> Hopefully, I don't. Surprise! Nobody ever told you before. Nope. Yeah, people get really upset about the hot dog stuff. I mean, when I go to Pertillo's, they got the Pertillo's is the big thing. They obviously <clears throat> don't put ketchup on there. Yeah. So I mean, I don't get it there. But if I get like the if I'm making them myself, a little basic one, then I mean, why not? I don't got I don't got that strong feelings yeah. against ketchup. <laughs> All right, I, we're getting too too local for most people, but it's good to catch up with another person around the same area. Um. So actually, so why don't we get back to kind of what you basically do every day, right? So you're looking for a position as a developer advocate, but what are you actually doing in, in right now in the daytime? Are you actually just making, um, you're making like um, more uh, content every day? Or are you working for freelance clients or, or what's going on? Um, so the past couple of weeks has just been like a ton of interviews, but like normally when, if, if there isn't, then I'm 
yeah, pretty much just creating content, making videos, uh, sometimes writing blog posts, even though I don't enjoy writing that much, but it's something I want to work on. Um, things like that, uh, working on side projects, but I don't do any freelancing work really. I'm working on my own side projects. Right now I'm working on a, on a SaaS product and then I have a couple apps that I'm working on as well. So can we get a sneak peek? Because I heard you just bought a domain name. I'm guessing it's for the SaaS product. Is that a secret until, until you're more settled or what? Um, I don't know if it was up to me. I think it's not a secret, but it's uh, I'm working with someone else. I don't know if you would like me to share it, but um, okay. it'll be, I'll let you know in a couple of days. It should be, I think we're going to start promoting it a little bit in, in a week or so. And you're using Flutter for that, right? No. I'm using Next.js. Oh. That's the that's the React React framework that we got to use for that one. It's it's a web only um, product, and uh, it's like SEO and performance intensive. So we wanted the server side rendering and all that stuff. Um, so we the kind of, I mean, it's just a couple features that Flutter Web doesn't have. Yeah, it's true. But I heard that they're really working on that the SEO stuff because I know that's a, a pain. Yeah, hopefully. So it's, I, hope, it's I really hope that that's that's my two big like wishes because it seems like desktop already has like the stuff figured out for the most part. Um, but with web, I think if they're able to figure the SEO out and then um, even if they add server side rendering, that would be like then there's no other options. I feel like that's there's no reason to not use Flutter for anything. How could you even do server-side rendering, though? Because, I mean, you have to make your backend in Dart 2, no? I'm just curious about how that would even work. So I'm not, I don't know. I'm not too, I don't even fully understand server-side rendering with React and Next.js. So I'm not even sure how you do it for Flutter. But um, my guess is like, so Next.js is built on top of React. So it renders the React app on the backend and then renders it, you know, directly on the thing. So I'm thinking if next is able to create like a next dot dart or something because there's next.js and then there's nuxt like n-u-x-t dot js which is for the view framework i think i might be lying now but uh, that's that's what i that's what at least i have um ingrained in my brain um so if they are able to make something for flutter or if flutter does it themselves then it seems like there should be a way but i don't know I'm not, I'm not technical enough about that specific topic. I worked a little bit with uh, another framework that has uh, SSR server-side rendering. And all they do is that they send JSON across the wire. And they have this library called MorphDOM, which will like patch the DOM for you. And so they had, they divide the content up into two sections where you have one which is static, but never changes. And the other one which is dynamic. And so whatever changes is just that little piece of dynamic content that they sent. So just one of the one of the values in the array, and they'll ship it across the wire, and then all it does is just puts it into the right spot, and then just patches the DOM. Hmm. So it's pretty fast. And maybe they could do something like that with Flutter. Maybe you have to figure out how the heck you would even divide up the content like that. I I couldn't tell you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but that would be that would be interesting. I know a lot of people were actually asking questions about this on like uh, Facebook groups and stuff and following. Hmm. Um, so, uh, I do have to ask though, because I'm a big fan of Android studio and I always see you using visual code studio. Have you ever tried it out before? 
Why are you hating on the Android Studio? I, I, I'm a, I'm an Android Studio hater for sure. <laughs> Not, I, I think, uh, I think it's, it's definitely like a good, um, good IDE. But my, my, the way mm-hmm. I like, I like things to be simple, and um, as long as they work well, I think it's, uh, that's kind of like my whole, like vibe. I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a minimum. I'm a minimalist, <laughs> I think, in like real life. Yeah. And I think that kind of goes along with my like coding as well. Like the VS code, as long as you have um, you have the debugger, that's kind of the thing you use 90% of the time to figure out issues. If you really need, you could pull up uh, <clears throat> DevTools. And it's all there. I feel like most of the time you don't really need much more, even though Android Studio does have some nice things. I don't know. Maybe Maybe I'd like it more if I used it more. I don't know. I uh, just like clicking around a lot more. I like clicking the play button versus uh, the other one. And also easier to f- swap devices because I always have a couple of phones or devices plugged in. Now that it supports desktop and web much easier now, it's like now I have to choose which device to run it on. I, th- I got I got the like 16-inch MacBook Pro, so it has that little bar at the top. So I just click. Yeah. Uh, there's a play button right on there all the time whenever I need it. So uh, I guess I don't have that issue. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. So how, how did you actually get into to even programming to begin with, right? Because everybody must have a small story. I mean, how, what what happened? Um, I went to, when I went to like college, I didn't really know what I wanted to do. Before that, I took like yeah. a intro to Python class in high school. And then I took like some computer repair class as well. Um, so, but I didn't think that that was something I wanted to do necessarily. Um, then I went to college and I knew I wanted to do something engineering, but I hadn't really decided what that was going to be. Um, that first year at school, I kind of just explored a bunch of topics. And I think after like the beginning of uh, the first semester of my college career, I think I I decided that I wanted to be a civil engineer because a lot of the friends I made were all civil engineers. And I'm like, oh, you know, being part of like creating buildings, that's kind of cool. But um, I think as the semester went on, I got to exploring more. And then just computers was something that I had experience with. Like I built my own desktop in uh, in high school and everything. So I think just one thing led to another. And then I went into computer engineering. And uh, even though computer engineering is not computer science directly, it's kind of a mix of electrical engineering and computer science. Um, I think that's kind of why... I strove towards that because I was really interested in the hardware, but I was also like pretty interested mm-hmm. in the development part of it. And with computer engineering, you kind of get a little bit of both. And then uh, that's kind of what I did in school. You know, took all the classes. Actually, most of my classes were. Um, I would say I didn't take I didn't take many programming classes in school. I think I took like two actual CS classes. And then the rest of them, I took a, I took a big focus on hardware languages. So, like, I don't know if you know VHDL and Verilog and that type of stuff. So, those are languages that um, you code for creating hardware. So, like, some in my classes, I wrote the code that would run, like, a processor and stuff like that. I was really interested by that. But then uh, those jobs are so niche. Like, you got to pretty much go work at Intel or, you know, AMD or something like that. Uh, there's not too many options for... Uh, hardware languages. Um, then I got my internship. So my first year of college, I had an internship uh, that was working with Java and Android. 
but it was like through this guaranteed paid internship program because like my grades were good enough um and it wasn't really it wasn't really any real internship it was kind of like the school gave you a summer to learn about android and how it works and they paid you a little bit of money um so it wasn't really wasn't really much and then junior year of college i got an internship at the company Navistar, where uh, I learned embedded C. Um, that's kind of where, at that company, I would say that's where most of my development expertise came from. I had a really good boss and a really great team, and they all like taught me a, a ton about development, even though it was just in C. And then um, that whole time in like college and since I was working, I was building websites, creating apps, um, doing all that stuff. And then, and then Flutter came out and then that one caught my eye the most and probably spent the most time working on that. Okay. So what kind of got you interested to actually start creating these YouTube content videos from there? I mean, is it just, yeah, just let me just, just tell us, right? I'm trying to speculate too much. I, I think, uh, I don't really know the exact reason, but I remember at the time thinking that there wasn't much content on YouTube. YouTube's kind of the place where I mm-hmm. learned a ton of my own, like the, it was kind of my learning place for whatever I was doing at that time. And there wasn't that much content on Flutter. There was, of course, like some people that started a little bit earlier, like Riso Coder was obviously the uh, big, uh, big person I learned from. And I really, I really learned a lot from him and I wanted to somehow give back. And maybe if I spend a lot of time learning a specific topic for an app that I'm building, maybe it's something that I could share through a video and it could maybe help some people. So that was kind of my thought process when I first started. And then another thing is sometimes my memory is not too good with certain development topics. So who's better to teach me about a, about a topic than myself? <laughs> so I was kind of like building up a little log of information that I can always refer back to. And um, at the same time, hoping that maybe some people would see it. But when I started at the time, I wasn't really expecting much out of it. It was just kind of like... a let's see if it helps anybody. If it doesn't, then whatever. And then it slowly started growing and um, kind of started learning more about marketing and all that stuff. And and then I yeah, just kept going and then I kept creating content. I don't know. What what, what, how, what did you learn about marketing? Because this is also useful for me too. Because uh, yeah, I it's useful for everybody actually. I think- but um, How did you get about that? Well, so for YouTube, there's kind of two ways you can go about stuff. There's either you can go for- initial views or long-term views so if you're going for initial views the thumbnail and description no the thumbnail and title are like your biggest key factors that you need to focus a lot of energy and like someone told me that when i first when i was like starting that you need to focus a lot on the thumbnails and the title and you kind of as as time goes on you realize how important that part actually is like making sure you have very like clickable and accurate titles and good good thumbnails and all that stuff. So that's the that's the if you want in a lot of initial views, but maybe not 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 a lot long term views. But the nice thing about YouTube is the video you put up there will last forever. It will be on platform for as long as YouTube probably exists. So you can also take the the long term route, and for that one, you want to make sure you have good seo on your videos so have a lot of uh like if a lot of keywords in that in the title a lot of keywords in the description that describe that video accurately so if you're making 
a video maybe on linting, make sure you mention the word linting multiple times so that whenever people Google it and if they watch your video, you, maybe your video will rise higher in the in the ranks and then, um, yeah, you'll have a lot of, maybe not a lot, but you'll have a long-term viewership on that video. How about your, your YouTube setup, right? What kind of things, I think you actually did a video about that. Maybe you can just be a little bit quicker about I don't mean to rush you, but you already did a video, I think, about that, right? So maybe you can just give a very brief intro about kind of like what you started with, what you're using now, and then also like why you decided to upgrade certain pieces. I'm sure you had to upgrade. Right? Yeah. Um, so the, I started with, it was actually a pretty nice laptop that I had. It was a Windows laptop when I started. Um, I was actually, when I started YouTube, I didn't have any Apple products. So it's kind of it's kind of funny how that transition happened to almost like exclusively Apple products now. Um, I started with, uh, I don't remember the name, but it was a Lenovo Yoga X, ThinkPad Lenovo Yoga X1. I think that was the name of the laptop I started with. And it was nice because it came with a pencil in the side. So I was able to do my little drawing videos from the beginning. Um, how do you draw right now, actually? Now that I mentioned it, I was always kind of curious about how you draw. Now, you use the iPad and you hook it up and record it separately? So, or? I have a, yeah, I have an iPad now um, uh, with the Apple Pencil, and uh, you just hook it up to OBS Studio is what I used to record. So, it, you can take mm -hmm. the direct, like, iPad feed right into mm -hmm. OBS Studio. And it ends up being pretty nice, I think. Um, and then, yeah, when I started, I actually... I think I even used for the first couple of videos, I just used the laptop laptop microphone and it was just, it was just the laptop and like me and that's it. Um, then I slowly, slowly realized that probably the most important thing for a YouTube channel is the audio. Like without good audio, you're not gonna, you're not gonna get that many views because people can deal with poor um, video. Like if at that point, actually I didn't even use like face, my face cam so like it wasn't even that important but if you do if you are using a uh, face cam and like people could actually see you i think a uh, video is a lot less important than having the clear audio uh, yeah people could deal with like a little grainy video of you but you can't really deal with poor audio um yeah. so the first investment i had was I, I was trying out a bunch of lavalier microphones and i got some cheap ones off of amazon um and they, they worked okay for the next like two or three months. Uh, and then I started using my phone as the camera. I think that's, that's a really great way to do it when you're starting out. Um, OBS studio has a, so OBS studio is what I use to record my screen and kind of take my input from the audio and all of that stuff. Um, and OBS studio has a app that you can download on your phone called like OBS something and um mm -hmm. then you can connect your phone to your laptop and then you can get a direct stream from your phone camera it's uh, it's pretty it was it was pretty neat and i think that one you can use for a long time if you have a newer phone like those cameras are pretty good and i think that's that's a great way to start and then the biggest and most important investment i think was this here uh it's a blue yeti microphone i i bought it used from craigslist so it's not it wasn't brand new or else I would have got the black one, but um, I think that's when my audio improved a ton, and uh, I think it was a great a great investment, and um, it, it's a really easy to set up and everything. And then I got my my DSLR camera, 
like not that long ago i'd say like five months five or six months ago and um i think that was kind of just so i can have a nice setup that doesn't need to really move and then i got my my macbook pro as well and it's hooked up to one less i think it was an 80 dollar monitor that actually works pretty well so i don't even need to replace it yeah you just moved something um and now your audio went a little bit bad quality. I don't know what you moved. You picked up when you picked up something, the video went out and the audio went out for a second. Oh man, maybe you switched. You might have unplugged something. Yeah, my maybe microphone got, got switched. switched. Yeah, there you oh. go. Interesting. Is it better? All right. Much better. Okay, <laughs> so I wasn't going crazy. So yeah, I see you using. I can see you using a Yeti yeah. stereo microphone. It says so. I don't know why okay, it switched much like better. that, but. You lifted up something and then it looks like it unplugged. So that's, that's probably what happened. Hopefully it doesn't disconnect again. <laughs> Alright. Yeah, it's okay. No worries. I think a lot of people have that Yeti blue thing. Yeah. Right? Yep. Is that the so same it's one? It's a really Yeti good blue? microphone. I think the the okay. best part about it is like it's still relatively cheap compared to like professional level studio mm -hmm. microphones. Um, and it's it's really easy to use. You just kind of plug it in and there's not many settings. There's just like gain and volume pretty much. So you just, there's two knobs you could twist and, and then you get it sounding right and then don't need to update it anymore. How much is that? That's like you said, so it's, it's still expensive. not cheap. It's like a, I think it's like a hundred bucks. Like I said, I got a use from Craigslist. So I got the mic, the, the shock mount, um, the boom arm, and then the filter all for 150 bucks. So that's, that's a pretty, good price but yeah it was it was used deal. um yeah i think new they're like 100 bucks a piece somewhere around there okay yeah i got a a little bit more expensive microphone but i don't know how good it is it hopefully they sound okay <laughs> so yeah this one is uh it plugs it plugs into your iphone and everything they got like a thing such as sure mv51 but it's pretty decent i like this one because i can plug it into the the phone if I ever want I've to seen a lot of people Sorry, have ahead. like the like whole audio boards where you plug stuff in and apparently those are a lot better quality but I, I, I still have to learn about the whole microphone industry so I just haven't I haven't put in the time on that maybe I'll get a new one soon but I think for now at least that Yeti does good enough yeah I'm, I'm, I'm it's hard to figure out like it's also the distance and there's lots of stuff and I'm still learning but how can I I'm trying to program, trying to make money, trying to deal with stuff, and it's just like never the, ends. I feel like that was kind of uh, one of the biggest things that I underestimated when I first started, just how like complex the whole process is. I thought like, oh, whatever, you just turn on the camera, you turn on a microphone, and then you just record. Like, no, there's there's a there's a lot to learn about microphones, a lot to learn about cameras. I still get like. I still don't think I know how to use a camera that well. I think I finally, I got like this okay looking shot set up and I don't want to touch anything just in case I ruin it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I got my, uh, my editor's uh, designer or whatever, right? She does everything. So I have her come in and set up the camera. So <laughs> I, I just don't touch it. We mark the floor with tape because I got somebody coming and clean up the office, you know, so they knock it over. So I got to be able to put it back and <laughs> it's painful. Yeah. So I, I totally know what you mean. I'm even this one. I, I actually it looks like I'm out of focus there. I am. Yeah. So it's it's horrible. 
Um, but getting back to YouTube, right? So I think I already mentioned to you that I, I also do some YouTube stuff, but in a slightly different landscape. And um, what's happened to me, not very often, but sometimes, is that sometimes I start to record a topic and then I end up giving up. Like, have you ever had that where you started to record a topic or wanted to do a topic and then you're like, you know what, this is just too uh, difficult? I haven't had that scenario. I think um, uh, I've had videos I've redone just because of like, I wasn't a fan of how it came out, but I don't think I've ever given up on a topic mm. before. If it's something, I usually I'm, I'm pretty dedicated to like try to finish whatever I, I start with it, especially because like if you start recording it, then you've already, for me, I put in a lot of work beforehand before I even like click the record button. I would like to make sure everything's like planned out and I have a, yeah. a way to attack it. So if I ever get to the record stage, I've already put in a lot of work and I don't, I don't want to like, you know, waste it. I think, um, I think it's important. Like if, if it's something that I might not be able to cover, I think it would have been caught earlier in the process. So, um, yeah, for every video, I, I try to create like a flow of how I'm going to go through the topic and what points I'm going to cover. And like, I mean, from that flow, it becomes like relatively easy. I don't have a, it's like a bullet point checklist of what I want to cover, especially if you have some code, then, you know, I have, I have my explain this part before the code with the iPad and then get to the code part. So in the iPad, I'll have like bullet points of exactly what I need to go through to explain. And, and then, uh, once, once I have, if I have that set up pretty well, if the video is well prepared, it usually goes pretty smoothly from the recording part. So, so actually then how, how much preparation time do you do for it each It definitely video? depends on the video, but it's, uh, the preparation. So a, a big, a big factor for it is if there's code or not, that's necessary because creating a demo app, of course, takes like time and trying to figure out a way to write some code that helps people learn about what, what the heck you're trying to teach them about. Um, I think that's, that's kind of the biggest mm -hmm. time factor, but, um, usually the recording and editing part is like the smallest part of the process. That's kind of just the the last stage, I think setting up takes anywhere. If there, if there's code probably takes a couple days to get it organized. Um, if there's no code, maybe like I could get it all planned out within like three to four hours and then like two to three hours maybe. Um, and then get ready for recording and all that. Now what it's happened to me before, but I'm curious if it ever happened to you. Has there ever been a topic where you're like, this topic is going to be fantastic people are gonna love it and then it's not as popular as you thought or even the other way around where you're like you know this is just kind of interesting but not so great but it kind of just blew um, up overnight so yeah i mean that happens that happens a lot i feel like you, i have different expectations for like different videos but like uh my biggest my biggest like failure or whatever my worst video that i've ever done on my youtube channel mm -hmm. is uh I tried to kind of pivot to something more broad and my thought process was like, Oh, this is going to be, I wanted to go through teaching development overall, like not just flutter and dart. And I decided to do it using Python. I'm like, all right, this will teach development overall. Python's a bigger like industry. You know, there's going to be a ton of viewers that are going to join this and watch this. Um, even though, and then like people that have learned, that are learning flutter this will be still useful to them because it's still learning development overall kind of like ingrain all their skills um even deeper and i 
I look, put out that video and then nobody watched it. I try to put a second video on it. Nobody watched it. And then I'm like, all right, we got to, we got to wrap this up and get back to what I'm good at. Yeah. Yeah. I know what you mean. And then there's also, has there ever been any, has there ever been anybody actually came back to you and were like, Hey, this is actually pretty good. Why don't you continue it? For yeah, that yeah they did. There was, there was a couple comments that said they really enjoyed the video and wanted more, but, um, I mean, there's, there's a lot more on the other videos that they enjoyed those. So it's kind of, you kind of weigh the, weigh the, um, yeah. return on investment return on, on the time and how many people it helps. And it seems like the, the flutter videos help a lot more people. Yeah. I think that's really the, the big problem. So I was also in a similar situation when I started up mine, like there was a lot of, a lot more books than anything else. And, um, also, um, yeah, there wasn't that much mm-hmm. content in general, though. So I thought that was a good idea to get into that. Um, but yeah, anyways, uh, why don't we go ahead and actually start getting back to like the sure. main topic, right? So with Flutter coming out 2.0, I know it's been a while, right? So we're recording this on April 14th. It's been some time. The dust has settled, right? Uh, you know, what's kind of your feeling about this? Like, do you really think it's a, let, let, the topic of this is always like, is it a big deal, right? And, you know, I want to hear your side. Um, I think, I think it's a, de- depends on what you, how you look at it. If you're looking at it from like a, um, a big, like you want to get products out now type of de- like thought process, you want to create web products right now. I'm not too sure. Flutter web is the best solution for all the websites. And I think that was the big release, but in terms of, um, seeing that they're working on the product and how fast it's moving along it. And that I think, I think, uh, I I read somewhere that the big reason wasn't necessarily to say flutter web is, you know, ready to go, ready to be used, but to show that they're fully supporting it and to help people, like make packages for it and help like the whole community grow and start using flutter web mm-hmm. slowly. And, um, I think that's, that's kind of the, that's why I think it was, it is a big move and, um, interesting to, I think, it, I think it's a great way forward to that. They're going to be like officially supporting flutter web for now. And, um, I don't know. I'm, I'm excited for it. And I, all the things that they announced, all the companies that are working on it, all the projects that, they showed the different things they're doing. Um, it makes me excited for the future of Flutter, and it's it's great to see that they're moving forward with everything that they initially planned. Like I, a little part of me was like thinking maybe they wouldn't move forward with web since Android and iOS was working so well together, and um, maybe web was going to be like an afterthought. But it seems like they're really bringing it forward, and like the, it's not just like they said an afterthought but it's the main product as well. Yeah. So I'm going to try to make this a little bit blunt, right? The first thing I kind of heard you say, it almost made me feel like your meaning was like, yeah, they released it and they're, they're officially saying that it's production ready for web, right? Is it almost like a throwing a bone to their audience or even saying that this is like a marketing move where they're just trying to like make people use it more? Or is that kind of also what you're trying to say, or am I making this too blunt, or it's um, really black and white I don't, like that? I don't, I don't know. I don't really have that strong opinion about like. First of all, I like to I like to mention I don't I haven't used Flutter Web 
that much. Like I said, the project I'm working on right now uses Next.js. Mm -hmm. I haven't built the Flutter website after Flutter 2.0 has come out. So just just to be clear, like I'm not, I don't really, um, I'm not like a master about Flutter web or anything like that. But, um, and that was just something that I read that they're, that is kind of like marketing move and it kind of mm -hmm. made sense a little bit to me, but again, it, like I, I haven't used it as much, so I, I wouldn't go out and say a bold statement that like, that's what it was. But, um, I mean, I've used it for like, there, there's some parts that I think I would have liked to see maybe before maybe to be done by this point. Um, I think I've had like troubles with like hot reload and stuff like that. And that would be, yeah. Yeah. With Flutter web, right? So it's just, it's yeah, just like so, little things ahead. like that. And that I would like to have been figured out by now. But again, I mean, it does work for a lot of scenarios and I think it's, it's definitely a good option depending on what you're trying to do. Um, yeah, I, I I don't I guess I don't have that strong opinions and like that strong feelings about it since I haven't used it as much. But I I, I do like the move mm -hmm. and I'm excited for the path forward, I guess. And I think it kind of solidifies it as as a main piece of Flutter instead of just like a side afterthought. So I heard a lot of speculation, right, in what you're you're thinking, kind of what it could be. But how about we make it more clear? Um because I really want to get your opinions about this, right? And so what do you feel comfortable in saying about, like, what does Flutter 2.0 kind of mean to you, right? What, what do you actually say about this? Because I, obviously you and I, or at least for sure you, you're kind of like, well, Flutter Web, I mean, it kind of works, but it mm -hmm. can be flaky, at least if I said that correctly, right? So what, what do you, like, say in terms of, like, what it means to you? Well, Flut them releasing Flutter 2.0, the biggest part of it means that they're, uh, the other platforms other than Android and iOS are not just an afterthought that they're, they are part of what Flutter is and part of what it will be moving forward. And I think that's, that's the key takeaway for me and the part that I, I'm really excited about. Um, they put like, they put desktop in the, um, in the stable, but like beta sort of thing too. So they're moving forward with that. And then they even announced like some working with Toyota with the embedded software as well, which, I mean, it's all really exciting to see that 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 was like the focus of it. I feel like there wasn't much updates on um, mobile and yeah, iOS and Android, I guess. And yeah, the key takeaway for me is that all these other platforms aren't just afterthoughts. They're they're part of what Flutter is. Yeah, yeah, I, I think so. That's that's also what I take away too. I take away the, yeah that everything is it's, we're not just a mobile framework and sadly people will still think about them as that a lot a lot of what um, i see on twitter is just they think yeah, it's only I, like they, i think a lot of people don't know that it's even capable of doing it i think they think they think it's only android and ios and that they don't even know that that's like the future of flutter and i think uh that's flutter 2.0 kind of wanted to put that in the forefront yeah i have a hard time to make any kind of app like, you know, native without actually thinking about Flutter in the first place, just because it just makes everything easier. I got uh, a project to make a Windows app and I actually did all of the development using Flutter uh, on my Mac and then just went to my virtual machine, exported it and I was done. 
So that was, uh, well, for the most part, I was done. There's a couple of pieces here and there, but most of it was pretty straightforward. So super happy with it. And they were happy too. Yeah, I feel just, like I would, uh, yeah. could probably choose building in Flutter over, like, even if I only needed an app for Android, for example, I think I'd still choose building it in Flutter just because of, like, the whole developer experience yeah. and, like, being able to um, get it done quickly, I guess, at this point too. And it's just it's just nice to work with. I don't know. It's exciting. Yeah, there was, uh, I think his name is Randall Schwartz. He's a developer advocate for Flutter, I think. Uh, he used to be pretty big in the, in the Pearl world. I heard him on the It's All Widgets podcast. And he also, I think a lot of people keep pushing that it's multi-platform, et cetera, right? But his whole thing was, no, man, this is like, forget about the multi-platform, right? Just take a look at it. Mm -hmm. You can build some really fantastic apps very easily. Forget about the multi multi-platform. This is where it's at. The multi-platform is just, you know, sugar on top or whatever. And I, I totally agree. Yeah, I, I, think uh, I haven't done as, as deep yeah. dive. I know I've heard of Randall and like some of the work he's done. And he's pretty knowledgeable about all his Flutter stuff. Uh, I think I haven't done as deep dives as him. But um, I mean, I, I, I believe it. it seems I haven't had I haven't ran into any issues like performance wise on any mobile platform. Um, and. I mean, I haven't ran into many. I've tested with Flutter Web a lot and with desktop and haven't run into many issues there as well, except a little, like, couple annoyances on Flutter Web. But, I mean, yeah, I'm excited. I think it's. it seems like if everything keeps going at this rate of improvement and, you know, it's getting better and better every month, it seems. I mean, in a couple of years, I feel like there might not be a, any reason to not use flutter for whatever type of software you want to make yeah i totally agree and i see that you're actually uh you're developing your apps now mostly on mac no and then just what switching over to ios or yeah, android so I, if you ever I need have, to uh, oh like you mean the like mac desktop apps right i well i what yeah well i watched your latest video um well maybe yeah, that was the, the orientation one right stuff, yeah or how to do responsive well, I guess you can't really do that with a Mac. Yeah. You can't really make your phone bigger that's, and smaller. That's kind of why right? I it on there. Um, I think, I, yeah, I, I usually stick mm -hmm. with desktop or or mobile. I have my emulators and everything, and then I have a physical mobile device that I think is it's really nice to test on. Like you know, just have it in your hand and actually be able to use it. I think that's a pretty important part for testing your Flutter apps um, instead of just like clicking around on the screen. But I think I think I'm mostly mostly develop in mobile, but I mean, I've been working with desktop now a little bit since they released the stable. I'm, I'm a big, uh, I'm a big fan of the stable branch. I don't really go off of it much into the beta or master channels. So, mm. I mean, they brought it into there, so I get to use it a little bit now. Yeah. Yeah. You just do the enable flag and you're ready to go. Right. So I had a guest on a couple weeks ago. Uh, he basically, his tip was, you know, if you're going to be working on a Mac or you're going to be working on a Windows, pick the platform that you're doing because it's much, much faster and easier and more stable to work that way. Because other guys, you got to emulate and all this other stuff. He said, even for Flutter Web, forget about it. Just use the Mac desktop or Windows desktop and then just export it later on. It's much better or or test it as a last step because of the yeah, issues I've, that I've we can have, right? Stuff too, especially because it becomes a lot easier to test if your layouts are responsive and all that stuff. You can just drag it around instead of, you know, with the phone, it's a little, it's a little tougher. What, I got a question for you, maybe. Yeah, um, so what do you, th have you heard any rumors about Fuchsia and Flutter? Because like kind of the whole 
the statement I made about uh, moving forward, like in the next couple years, I don't really see much reason to not use Flutter if it keeps going like this. But I, like, there's a lot of rumors about like Fuchsia and what yeah. that could bring to the Flutter like community. Yeah. I haven't seen anything. I just did a quick Google search if you heard me typing around. Yeah. Fuchsia's been quite quiet. I mean, I know that they've been supporting out of the box for some reason. And I don't think it's even on, a, on any yeah, kind of real so, devices no. yet, right? Yeah, I, was just, I was just saying if you had I'm any rumors, maybe. So I wish I had a hookup. I mean, I'm, 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 there's a couple of people I'm trying to talk to and yeah. it's trying to schedule them to come aboard. Uh, hopefully maybe they know something, but they may not let me know anything. What I do know though, is that I believe Fuchsia's made, they do, they are using Rust within Fuchsia. And I know that Android's now starting to use Rust too, which is quite interesting. And I think there may be something there with this, right? They're, they're trying to redo everything. And I wouldn't be surprised if they're going to start using Rust within, mm-hmm. within this project too, within Flutter. Because that seems to be what Google's trying to do. No, that, that's another thing I'm super excited about. And I'm just thinking, like, I mean, if if Fuchsia ends up being what they, what the rumors like hype it up to be, that it's just like one operating system for all platforms, and then it seems like Flutter kind of works together with that, developing for all platforms. I don't know. It'd be it'd be a pretty cool future to see in like ten years if if that all pans out. I guess. Google's kind of strange in the fact that it seems like they make, they can sometimes make products that kind of go over each other, right? Like, you know, like Fuchsia, but they got Android and then they also got Chrome OS and, you know, they got, they also got, you know, Angular, they got Flutter now, they got, they used to have Dart and Angular and yeah, it's. I think that that was like when, when I first started creating content for it, I think one of the biggest questions was like, how do you know Flutter's not like Google's not going to drop Flutter because like they drop like you're like you said they have a lot of overlapping projects and then they drop a lot of projects as well. Um, I think I, I think those questions have kind of gone away now by this point just because like Flutter has become so big now. But I still get like the off one. They're like, oh, but like they canceled Google Music. I'm like, Google Music was nowhere near like the community that Flutter is. Um, well, they still got Google Music because I got or, the YouTube subscription. And I, I think, think I got Google Music on my else, phone. Maybe I'm missing, I'm, yeah, they cancel things that do get popular. They also cancel Google Wave, which was quite popular at some point. Yeah, yeah. In any case, right? They, I think they're more invested now because now they're rewriting their apps from Android directly to that and iOS directly to that. So I can't see them getting away from it. And I think it's become so big and it's getting bigger that it's hard for them to even yeah, consider exactly. and the like, change. I mean, I hope, I feel like even even if they ended up like not supporting it, there's just such a big community now that like someone's going to hopefully take it over. Or, I mean, like maybe the community would take it over somehow. I don't know. But, I, yeah, I don't, I don't think canceling it. I mean, you got Toyota. You got Toyota. You got BMW. You got who else is Alibaba, really using it? Alibaba, eBay. I can't think anymore. Yeah, 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 those guys too. Alibaba, yeah, a lot of companies. It's crazy. I don't think they could ever yeah, drop it. Especially, I mean, the biggest thing is that but like, I wish they would. Like something like fifteen of their own apps are using Flutter, so that's like a big, you know, big chunk of Google apps that are using Flutter. So, yeah, I think yeah, I think it's here to stay. Fifteen, so many. I just remember they got Google. Hey, they had like the whole using it now? Uh, presentation they showed. Maybe it was, maybe it was it was above ten for sure. Um, but they had a whole list of 
really and a whole list of products that they, that are using not not built solely on flutter but that are using flutter i think that was the big one like ads um i can't find it now but that was that was the very interesting thing for me to see okay i have to take a look at it what um there is something i do want to ask you about what do you think about this navigator 2.0 i mean to me it's super confusing and i i did mention that to the email i sent to you right like i feel like it's such a step backwards compared to what we used to have but i, I don't i don't know i mean there's a reason yeah why so i, I, I put right? out a video about this exact topic and like i don't remember the name but it's i think it was something like why i don't like navigator 2.0 um the, yeah the story with that is i decided you know i'm like i it, so the way i kind of do videos i decide on a topic and then I learn about it. And that's kind of how I drive myself to learn more about Flutter because I know I have to put out a video about it. So I have to learn the specific topic. So I was dragging on making the video on Flutter on Navigator 2.0 just because um, I kept putting it off. And then I, I finally decided, I'm like, all right, in two weeks, I'm going to make a Navigator 2.0 video. I got to learn about it so I can teach people. And I think, and I, I never had a problem learning a topic. I feel like a, like a most Flutter topics, they're well-documented. They're easy to learn, and like it's, I've never had an issue learning within like a couple mm-hmm. of days, uh, like what that topic is. And Navigator 2.0 was a different story. That that one took me a long time to figure out what what it actually, how to make it work, what it actually is supposed to do, what is what it's supposed to solve, and the uh, the end result and was that like it solves the issues that it came out to solve. Like it fixes the problems that are there, but it does not make it easy for Flutter developers to use. And um, I think mm. I, I'm sure I'm sure if you spent enough time learning about Navigator 2.0 and like really learning the ins and outs on it, and maybe they put out more documentation explaining it better, you could use it, and your apps would work fine. But um, it's just it wasn't like I feel like the big selling point of Flutter is just the ease of use and how nice of a developer experience all of it is. And that was kind of a step not in that same like aisle. Mm. But I, yeah, I totally agree. I mean, sorry. Uh, well, I just want to say like my understanding was that they wanted to redo the router because the stack based routing works fine for apps, right? Because you, there's not really a, what do you call that? Like, it's not like the web where you can punch in a URL at any point and you can go there. It's that, you know, with that mobile app, you, you really have a set standard of, there's a forks, right? Um, sorry, I cut you off, but like, that was like my main understanding was that they're trying to address this issue of, we have a web browser, you punch in a route, it may be anywhere at any time. So, you know, and also maybe you want to like change the stack of your back browser. That, that's history, the biggest, right? the biggest thing was so, uh, like the back button just didn't work like the browser back button with the normal navigator 2.0 didn't work and it's just um it gave you navigator 2.0 gives you control of like the whole like stack that you have and you can like work with it however you want and it does it in um in a declarative way instead of the way navigator 1.0 does it um and that was it solved those problems it worked but it just wasn't it wasn't nice to work with and they, like i was i was going to say that they uh there was there are some packages out there 
that I haven't tried out yet, but they seem like they would make it a little bit easier. And um, maybe that's a good solution to use Navigator 2.0. So I don't know. I haven't checked them out personally yet, though. Yeah, for me, I mean, I thought the step backwards was that they push stateless components and then we had to take your app from stateless to stateful now. Mm -hmm. To me, I thought that was a huge step yeah. backwards. <laughs> what the heck is the point? Uh, I don't want to, like, do you have a few more minutes or no? Because I don't I don't want to, we were scheduled for one hour, but we got a little bit more things that I really want to cover. But you let me know um, if you... I got a couple around. more minutes, I think. Okay. I think... Um, what I wanted to to really go over too is uh, we kind of went over the main topic, right? Uh, maybe I could just go straight to you know um, these other kind of questions. I think this one, I think I know the answer to it, but I always like to ask people like, what is your what is your tool for? I'm a, I'm a Riverpod right? fan. Riverpod and the yeah. um, the state notifier provider; those are my go to state management solutions, state management, like pair. How about you? Yeah, I got your Riverpod. I got your Riverpod video queued up, but I have to actually watch it. Uh, I've been using block for a while. So I also went to ResoCoder. I like this block video with this TDD. Um, but there's some things about block that, yeah. I mean, what I like about Riverpod is they have that error thing where they can catch an error and then you actually can render something nice. So to me, that's super interesting, and I'm seriously considering it because there is sometimes where free, weird, freaky things happen in apps, and nothing you can do. Uh, I'm out in Hong Kong, and you got some people who live out in these way outlier, outlier islands, and they still actually have 2G over there because they're really in the middle of nowhere. And we have some guy who always has a problem. Yeah, just like, like Verapop for all the safety there is, like you can't, like you can't really have, uh, yeah. you can't be providing data without putting in a loading and an error state. So. You know, it's always kind of protected there. And then um, I, I've tr I tried out Black, but and I, I admit it's probably a, um, just my fault for not working with it enough. But it just seemed like there was too much uh, that needed to be set up in order for it to, you know, work and too much that I, you need to understand. But again, that might just be um, that might be a good thing as well, because they have like Black isn't just a state management solution. It's like a whole uh like pattern of development. So I guess it, it could definitely, like if I did learn it well, it could help with keeping like code bases clean and all that stuff and making it easier to understand. So, yeah, I don't know. I have my own little pattern that I use, like the Tatis pattern for uh, Riverpod development where I have everything structured in a specific way. And I, I it works for me, so I just kind of work with that. So if we wanted to see what that looks like, you do have some videos specifically about Riverpod. I think you have a Riverpod playlist, right? If we watch through that, we'll probably yeah. see your, your Tatis pattern, yeah. right? It's, it's similar. It's it's pretty okay. similar to Resub Coder's DDD setup. So I, I don't know if you've seen that series, but um, the domain-driven design is yeah. similar to that. But I think uh, all of these, all of those patterns and everything that you see, they're just... Uh, they're just kind of guidelines. They're not necessarily strict rules that you have to that you have to like follow. Um, at least for like the design patterns, some of the architecture patterns are a little bit more strict. But um, with the design patterns, just kind of like guidelines of things you should think about when you know architecting your app or putting stuff together. So I have like my version of it. It's a little different, but it's what I I don't know. It works. It works great for me. So or in all the products that I do. So that's kind of what I stick with. 
Why do you think state management is such a complicated topic in Flutter? Like, it seems like it's not at a point where people will fight each other, but it's definitely something where people yeah. have some opinions, um, right? I'm not sure. I think uh, I think there's just a lot of, I don't know, some people enjoy one and maybe they haven't tried all of them. So, like, they're like, oh, this one works so good. Like, I'm a big fan of this one. And they think that's, like, that's the only option. I think if you really go around and try all of the options, you'll see that they're they're pretty similar. Like in the the grand scheme of things, they're not that different. Um, they they're all the same, pretty much the mm-hmm. same concept. It's just different ways of structuring it. And what it, I mean, for, in my opinion, whatever you use, as long as it works, then great for you. Like if it builds your apps the fastest, if you know it the best, then that's the right solution, and that's the only thing you need to worry about. I don't think it really. I don't think it should be that big of a like topic where then people actually like get have such strong feelings about certain state management solutions. Yeah, not like hot dogs and yeah, not uh, like hot ketchup, time. right? <laughs> okay. So, why why do you think that Flutter, like the Flutter team, actually recommends? provider over other forms of state management? Um, I think it's just because it was, I mean, it was one of the first ones, right? So it was like block and provider were some of the first ones. And I think it's just, uh, it doesn't add much to the Flutter, like the Flutter SDK it, provider doesn't really um, add too much more logic to it. It's kind of just like, like a, I mean, like it says, it's a wrapper for the inherited widget. So it just makes the their inherited widget easier to use, kind of. Um, I think it's just there's not much extra, nothing fancy that provider does to make it, you know, like... I think Riverpod was kind of the next step to make it a little bit easier to work with. But um, providers kind of helped out, and it was it did it in the simplest way and without changing too much what Flutter's about. So I think that's kind of why they went with recommending it um i'm not too sure though like i wasn't part of the recommendation team unfortunately <laughs> yeah i i totally understand and it seems to be pretty straightforward uh i have to play with some more uh i think just a couple more questions right so um what i wanted to really ask was there was another one over here. I must have lost it. But I guess I can actually probably end it with with kind of this one, right? Now that you've been doing Flutter for some time, you've been teaching people things. Um, of course, you've been learning yourself, right? If you were to speak to a younger or newer developer who's starting out in Flutter, what kind of tips would you give this person or even what kind of warnings would you give to them so that they can be on a much better path? Um, so I think... The biggest in terms of development and like becoming a better developer, I think it's Flutter makes it really easy for you to not not need to understand what's going on inside of Flutter in order to make things work. It becomes so easy mm-hmm. to just like copy paste widgets here and there and you see, oh, it like works out and you have a working app with without really understanding how it works. I think it's important to kind of how to get a good grasp of Dart first or like programming overall. Maybe not doesn't have to be with Dart, just um, really understand like what programming is and some of the programming topics like algorithms, data structures, um, all those things. Get a good grasp of that before you move into 
going hard with a framework that is built on programming language. So um, if you got that, then, I mean, you can, I'm not saying to, you know, spend years learning about what programming is before you go into Flutter, but definitely take a, make sure you're comfortable creating apps that, make sure you're comfortable creating software that isn't necessarily a UI-based app before you go into Flutter. And then once you're comfortable, mm -hmm. a little bit comfortable with that, then jump into Flutter and there's a lot to learn. Try to, you know, try to actually understand the stuff before, um, building like huge apps because like not understanding state management was, I built my first app without using state management and I had to like redo it because I mean, <laughs> it just, it was a big app with lots of moving pieces and I was just passing it around the state. Like I wasn't even using inherited widget. I was just passing it along everywhere and it was just really messy. So I think understanding those topics, um, at least doesn't though you don't have to understand every single uh, package, but like maybe just pick one, even if it is provider, which is a recommended one, just get a good grasp of how it works, how to, um, lay out your apps, uh, keep things organized and all that stuff. And, um, hopefully you can build good projects with that. And then another little tip is, I think it's a great idea to document your journey of learning somewhere. Um, whether it is like a blog, YouTube, uh, whatever platform you choose, even if it's just a notebook, just writing down what you learn and how to learn it. I think, um, it's, and might, if you do it online, it might bring other people, like it might help other people learn. Cause I mean, there's going to be new people learning flutter probably for a long time for now. And even if your article is very basic level of learning what a stateless widget is, even, um, that could definitely help some people out there and, also help yourself if you ever need to look back at a certain topic, you can have a good reference and teach yourself about it. Um, that's kind of like taking this whole journey about uh, teaching on YouTube and like socially, I guess, has just been a lot better than I thought it was mm -hmm. when I first started. Actually, when I first started, I didn't think anything was gonna come of it. But uh, as it kept going, just, so many opportunities have come so many, uh, things that I never thought would have happened came out of it. And it's just, it seems to help a lot of people and like me getting messages that people were able to build their first flutter app because of some videos that I put out. There's nothing like more rewarding than that. So learn your content, learn what programming is before you jump deep into flutter. And then if you want, document it. It's definitely something I could recommend. But again, if you really want to just develop, it's not necessary. Okay. We got some really good points and I could totally agree with that. I also got somebody kind of came back to me and said, Hey man, your videos are really inspired me or really helped me get past this problem. Right. Those, cause sometimes you're making your content, you're throwing it out there. Maybe you're getting some views, but you don't know if the guy watched it for three seconds or 30 minutes. Right. And so when you hear that, people say, oh, I got value from it. That's definitely yeah. something that kind of keeps you going. Otherwise, you're just throwing it out there and you, they're just numbers. They're view counts, but you don't. there's exactly. no meaning behind it. Yeah. It's, and like when, so. when you do get those comments or like someone messaged you about how you helped them, it's, it's, I don't know, that's probably the most rewarding part of this whole thing is like that you were actually helpful to mm -hmm. others and they were able to do something because of you. I think that's 
there's no better feeling than that. Now you're not at a stage where you're walking in the Woodfield <laughs> Mall and you're getting flagged by people, nah, not right? You're not at that stage yet. <laughs> that would be. Uh, you, do you think you'd ever get to that stage, or would that just be um, too I don't, scary? I don't know. I don't. That's not the goal. Um, I don't really. I'm not a. I don't really <laughs> care about like that type of stuff as much. It just. Um, it'd be it'd be nice to you know keep growing and keep helping more and more people. I think that's that's kind of the main goal of all of it. I don't really care what comes out of it, like personally. I mean, obviously, you know, um, mm-hmm. like a nice dev advocate job <laughs> would be nice, but uh, overall, I'm just happy to help as many people as I can learn Flutter. Yeah, totally true. Well, I think we're, you know, I already took up a little bit more of your time than we originally planned. Uh, I definitely enjoyed talking with you. I think you have a lot of interesting. Uh, ideas and opinions and everything else. So uh, at the end, I mean, if you have something you want to plug or if you have, uh, you know, something you want to, you want to say, or you want to show or whatever, uh, now um, would be the time. I don't have much to plug other than my YouTube channel and my Twitter, which are both Tadis Petra. So hopefully those pop up if you Google it. Um, if you follow me on Twitter in maybe like a week or two, I should be releasing a pretty, pretty cool product that could help people with uh, content creation. So check in for that one definitely okay anything else nope, you wanted to it. say Just thank you for having me on the podcast as well really appreciate it yeah thank you too so we'd love to have you back and talk some more about something um okay so with that uh, i'll catch you All guys right. next time bye thanks